Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey, everyone. It's so exciting to be here today because you know what? It's another wonderful Thursday. So what what we're doing today is we're doing a little bit uh, something a little bit different. Today we have a very interesting guest on, guest on the line. His name's Vikram Chopra, and if you want a little bit of a background on him, he's a black belt at eating pizza and doing judo. Now me, I don't have any idea how to do judo. I used to try that out as a kid, and when I did, I would get beat every single time. They, I think they just gave me uh, an upgrade from like a white belt to a yellow belt just because I stuck it out for a whole year and just kept getting beat up every day, even though I really never knew how to figure it out and win. So I think that was like my consolation prize for just getting beat up all the time. But here we have Vikram. He's a black belt in that and really knows how to crush it and probably crush me. And you know what? He's a black belt eating pizza. I love pizza too. And you know what? Pizza's one of the greatest things out there. Now, I met Vikram when I was out in New York about a few months ago, and we were filming for a TV show that's going to be coming out. It's kind of like Shark Tank, but it's like a mix between The Apprentice, where people really go out there and get their ideas and go and build them out. And then go to get uh, their companies funded. And, you know, now we're sitting here on the line and we have this little startup journey that um, Vikram wants to share with us. So why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself, Vikram? I'm pretty sure I'm missing a lot of things because I only took no, the most important parts of your bio, the pizza eating and the judo, you know? I think you, you nailed it. It's uh, Thanks for having me on and definitely pizza eating is my key. I have a black belt, 12-degree Dan on that. No one can eat pizza like I do. With deep dish New York style, it's an extra large pie or a whole pie, I can take them all. So you take any pie, any pie, any, any pie. way. Yeah, how about, I mean, how about my, if it got clams on it. Pardon? How about if it has clams on it? Uh, I don't mind anchovies. I don't mind pineapple clams. That's hmm. yeah. If there's enough extra cheese, I could probably do that as well. I mean, clams, anchovies, what else is questionable, uh, beets, what else? I don't know. Let's just say it's got like <laughs> 10 different toppings, and these 10 different toppings you know don't go together, but you still eat it. You know what? I hope this, I hope, I'm assuming this channel is not too PG-13. Pizza is like fact. Even if it's bad, it's still good. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know if I was allowed to say that. Might bad. I don't know if I should have said that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll let you have your pizza your way. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> you've run a company called Gift Genie, right? Correct. Uh, what, what is Gift Genie? Is it like a genie that just pops out of a bottle and it's like, hey, I got three wishes for you to grant. And you know what? If you run my bottle, you'll get all three wishes. <laughs> Uh, and it's actually true, and it's exactly how you described it when I when, when I first told you about it during filming, right? It's the magic lamp for your shopping cart. So uh, with Gift Genie, I mean, very simple. We're almost in some ways taking the best elements out there of Pinterest and app, an app like eBay and giving users. Really what we are is a platform 
that lets you tell your loved ones exactly what you want. So I think we've all had it, right? Your uh, don't drop hints, share a wish list. So the idea being of Give Genie is Genie is the app that lets you tell your loved ones exactly what you want. And so when it's time for your birthday, Christmas, Mother's Day, Father's Day, you're getting married, you use Gift Genie as a cool application to tell your loved ones exactly what you want. And it was so interesting is when we... What do I want right now? I uh, a good but pizza wouldn't be too bad what about now. Oh, so can you add a pizza to your wish list? You can... There, pizza, technically, you actually could in theory. So the idea being is with Gift Genie, you can add anything... From any online retailer. So yeah, pizza might be a little bit tricky, but you, in theory you can. You can go on to Domino's, Pizza Hut, or any pizza website and just add it to your wish list and someone can technically order it for you. But the real value really is made for, like, for anything retail and shopping related. So for example, I really wanted this really nice jacket from Zara because I love nice overcoats. So I kind of like did, did while browsing. Like a, did it look like a judo, uh, blade, a, a judo outfit? More something out of blade. I love long, even though I'm a short, stubby guy, I love these long overcoats. And I, I don't know why, but I just, for a usually short guy, shouldn't be wearing overcoats, but I just love long jackets. So I was browsing online. I really liked this. I kind of just added it to my wish list. And it was funny because my wife obviously has access to my wish list. And so I guess that coat was on sale or whatever. My wife saw it and she picked it up and presently surprised me with a nice gift. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I wish yeah, there was so a place a, for me to put all the things I want online so people could buy them for me. Oh, hey, well, that's what you have. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, 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 there you go. You got to start creating your wishes. Because, and that's a real value. And that's why I use the Pinterest app. Because we launched the app thinking it's going to be a gifting app. And basically, it allows you to tell your loved ones exactly what you want. And this is what, it's a great, what I call the Mike Tyson rule, where everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. We didn't get punched in the face, but we got some really positive feedback where our users are like, you're more than a gifting app. You're my shopping cart aggregator. So instead of me having 100 open browsers, 50 subfolders, and 100 bookmarks, I aggregate and, and consolidate all my favorite shopping carts into Gift Genie. And that becomes my way when I want to track things I want to buy, I keep track of it on Gift Genie. And then, of course, when it's a birthday or Christmas, I can share my wish list with friends and family, and they always know what to get me. Because the cool thing with Gift Genie is you only need to share your wish list once. So obviously made the whole family download gifts. So every year, for the last two years in a row, my family uses Gift Genie for Secret Santa. So every year, I don't need to resend my Christmas wish list. As I up, add or delete items to my wish list, it updates automatically on my family's end. So basically, you share it once, and they always, as long as you're keeping your list up to date, they always know what to get you. So six months, a year later, you might get pleasantly surprised because you pin something to your wish list, and your loved one or your parents get it for you. So now I have a real question for you. Today is mm -hmm. my mom's birthday. Guess what I got her so far? Uh, nothing or something she doesn't exactly, want. Exactly, exactly. I got her nothing. What should I get my mom? So, yeah, that's so stay tuned. So, um, and it's actually perfect because the next feature we're looking at to add is exactly that. Because right now, Gift TV is all about what we call proactive gifting or proactive shopping when you know what you want. But you said, what if it's last minute, you wanted to get something? And this is something we're working on presently, almost like an AI concierge, where you log in to give Jeannie, little Jeannie bought. Jeannie, my mom is, you know, X years old. It's her birthday. These are some of the things she likes. Based on whatever data you can provide that you think is relevant. 
the Genie concierge is going to match your mom's profile with similar profiles of users and then kind of make smart recommendations of cool products based on the input data. So that's something we're working on and we want to add as a next feature. But that's where we're going to go eventually. So I type but in, like, my mom is like 65-ish, but she thinks she's 21 years old and dresses like she's 21 years old and acts like she's 21 years old and likes to do things that 21-year-olds like to do. What would she get for a gift? And then I'll just figure it out. Exactly. And it's like, as you said, with anything with machine learning, the more data you get, and as it gets more data, it becomes smarter and better at getting and being more precise. So that's where it's unique. That's where, like, the, the, the hidden gem of what gives genie is that we're capturing user interest in data, and we use that data to drive better content back to our users. Oh, cool. So how did you get into this journey? Uh, stumbled into it, uh, or as uh, a colleague of yours, Ryan Fallen, likes to call me, a stumblepreneur. Like, I guess there are some people who said, oh, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, or I always wanted to be a no. I literally stumbled into this. I always joke. I was a late, I joke, joke about this, and I'm a late bloomer. I had no idea what I wanted to do in high school. Definitely didn't know what I wanted to do in university. Graduated from university, still clueless about what I wanted to do. I was Van Wilder before that movie came out because I switched my major 12 times. And wow, that's just a lot like, of changing in majors. Yeah, it was, I went from accounting to finance to marketing. Then I realized my university uh, in Toronto, UFT, downtown, St. George didn't have a very good marketing program. I'd have to transfer to another campus. Then I switched to poli. Oh, it was, I mean, I finally ended up graduating in economics, but it was quite, I basically, you know what? I, I got to graduate, so I got to pick something. But hmm. I think how I kind of stumbled into entrepreneurship really was, it was 2008, uh, probably about, I've been working for about three years, and I was working for this boutique consulting firm in Chicago. Now, prior to that, most of my work experience was working with large, publicly traded Fortune 500 companies. When you work for a boutique consulting firm with 10 employees and you report directly to the CEO, you're no longer a little cog in a big wheel. You directly see. And it was kind of like, that's when I realized, if you can sell for someone else, you can definitely sell for yourself. And that's kind of like started my journey where I started, you know, working on the side, doing consulting projects, just for the fun of it, just to kind of augment my income and just, and I, you know what, as I said, stumblepreneurship, where a buddy of mine invited me to an event, and I still remember this, in 2010. And he's like, Vic, it's a great event, and I think there's a lot of people in tech, so this is more you than me, so just come by. So I went there, I ended up meeting this gentleman who had an app called Mobile Miser, and it was a really cool BlackBerry app, so a bit of a dinosaur now. And we started talking, he had me ask me to come on board to help him promote the app, and I really started enjoying it. And actually through him, I ended up meeting my partner in my first official startup. So as I said, it's just like timing. It's like, I think with anything, if you put yourself out there, you hustle, you grind, whether you're in startup or any kind of field, you'll eventually get there. So I just, put, I just realized I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. So I went the reverse. I said, let me work. And by working and trying different things, at least I'll figure out what I don't want to do. And it just stumbled into it. That's pretty interesting. Like, I remember back when, well, I don't remember. My grandma remembers. She, she remembers asking me, Elena, where you want to be? Where you grow up? And I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, you want to be police officer? I'm like, no. You want to be doctor? I'm like, no. You want to be like, uh, you want to be like 
a fireman. I'm like, no. And she's like, what do you want to do when you grow up? I'm like, nothing. Guess what? <laughs> I've, I've lived I've lived with that philosophy my whole life, and here I am sitting around doing nothing, and it's like the greatest but, thing in the world. But yeah, you're doing dream. great. But, but and look at me, as you said, with influencer, you've turned. Look what you did with nothing. You've created something, right? And I had the exact same thing with my Indian grandparents. The only exception being is take Indian Vikram. What are you going to do in life? Uh, can I be a superhero? No, you cannot. You have no superpowers. Okay, I have no idea. I have. Okay, so 20 years, so the next 20 years, I'm still freaking out what they want to do. Because I, I hit 13, unlike the X-Men, puberty didn't give me any superpowers. So I really like, damn, what does that want to do in life? One of my clients, Joseph Bradley, like, he was talking to his dad one day, and he went up to him, and he's like, Dad, I want to be a paper boy. And his dad looked at him with that look of disappointment going, You've lived your whole life up to this point to want to be a paper boy? What in the world is wrong with you? But all he wanted to do was buy a video game, and that was the quickest way he could ever think of to buy that video game. So he had to come back. He got sent back to his room. <laughs> he felt like he killed someone, and he had to go back to the drawing board and figure out what he actually wanted to do. <laughs> Oh, well, at least he had, a, at least he had an end goal and objective. He, wasn't, he, he didn't want to be, he's like, I want to be a table for very specific reasons. So at least he's got a tactical mind. But then his dad didn't know he just wanted the video game. If he did, he would probably just bought it for him. But he's like, paper boy, what's wrong with you? I, I bet you he wanted the money for the video game to buy the paper boy game. <laughs> It's probably a different game he wanted, but that would be even more funny if he wanted to buy the Paper Boy game. That would be ironic. <laughs> cool. So, um, great stories here so far. We're going to be hopping off to a commercial break, and then we'll be getting back into some more detail about exactly what's going on and your whole entire journey that led up to this point. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Leonard Kim. You can find... Bikram at giftgenie.com or something. Is that right? Yeah, gift, G-I-F-T-J-E-N-I-E.com. Giftgenie.com. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So you spell it like gif. Gif. Gift, gift. And then genie. Genie. So J-E-N-I-E.com. Oh, genie. Like a new type of genie. Cool. All right. Almost we'll be like back I, after this. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. 
Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Welcome back, everyone. Leonard here with Vikram, and we're just sitting around chatting about the great things that lead you up into the startup journey. Uh, if you listen to the earlier segment, uh, Vikram really got into what Gift Genie was all about. Talked about how much he loves pizza and how he likes to judo all over his pizza. Uh, I, I, never mind. Let me take that back. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's a horrible visual. <laughs> basically, we're here just chatting. And one of the things that Vikram mentioned a little bit earlier was how he was working at a consultancy of 10 people in a small, tiny company. And he met someone who had a BlackBerry app, and that BlackBerry app really like grabbed his attention. Like, How revolutionary was this BlackBerry app to ga- grab your attention and make you consider changing directions? It must have been like life-changing, but then when I look at my old BlackBerry, I'm like, what's life-changing about this? Well, Good so I wouldn't call it... <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I, I look and think, think back now, I mean, it ended up becoming life-changing because it was karmic in terms of what that mm. one meeting led, led to, and I, I always joke about it, right? It's like the, the being an entrepreneur or being in a startup is like walking into a storm Except, and your but when lightning strikes, it's actually a good thing because that's your big break. So it was an app called Mobile Miser, and it was very cool. So this is in Canada. So this is in 2010 when North America, if you were calling outside your city or state, it's long distance, and calling to the U.S. more. So it was a very cool BlackBerry app that would allow you to call anywhere in North America for as low as 20 bucks. Very simple and easy to use. This is pre-North American-wide calling plans as most telcos, and in the U.S., you could call nationwide. In Canada, you never had that option without incurring high roaming charge. And he's just like, listen, I'm looking at someone to help me market this and promote this on social media. And I said, sure. It was just, for me, it was just cool to get to work with a proper startup. I started working with them and while maintaining my full-time job, and I just got really into it. And it was just like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And then what happened, interesting, is... One of the investors in Mobile Miser, a gentleman by the name of uh, Ramus Lexington, ended up becoming my first investor in my next venture. So built a relationship with the guys at Mobile Miser, and while with my day job, I really tried selling to Ramus. And one point is just seeing, he approaches me and says, Vic, I can't afford a guy like you. I couldn't afford your salary, but I like what you do. Uh, I want to start a company with you. And... I've got a couple of companies. We'll create a brand new company together. We're 50-50, but I'm your first investor, so obviously I get paid first, and let's go for it. And I'm like, wow. And it was just that, basically, that's it. So that event where my friend Al takes to meet the guys at Mobile Miser, 
I ended up meeting my first investor and first business partner, who I ended up starting a company with a year later. Cool. So basically, your BlackBerry Mobile Miser, Mobile Miser, that sounds pretty weird. He's a miser that's mobile. Your, your, your miser friend who is mobile and you decided to go and make a company together. Right, that led to an introduction. We started, we wanted to save Canadians from high long distance bills and I ended up, uh, for, ended up forming a company and getting some great startup experience. And it, what happened cool. is I had realized, and I really started enjoying doing this. I was just like, I really like helping startups go to market and I almost became like my forte from 2011 till about 2015 before I co-founded Gift Genie was that while running uh, the company I co-founded Round Assist with Ramus, I started just working with startups on the side from, you know, and different times. Like there was a food startup, food tech startup for online ordering. <clears throat> there was a B2B uh, business communications app. So like from every area, I just love, and there was another deal app. I just loved working with different startups at concept or MVP phase. And I said, hey guys, I'm a, you know, because I always joke, like I was a born salesman, but what I really excelled at was if there's something new and the market doesn't know, how do you find out what the market wants and match your product? And how do you get that first customer, that first pilot? Because like, I have a philosophy, right? Your idea is only as good as your first customer. And I just basically, that became my launch pad, just working with a lot of cool different startups. Some of them didn't even pay me. I just love being part of it because I just love that journey. So you, you've been around a lot of different startups, and it sounds like you've been across startups of all these different fields and various industries. Like, mm -hmm. how many startups do you think you were working with? Like 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, hundreds? So on LinkedIn, I think there are about six to eight. Uh, off the top of my head, at least a dozen, not to mention another five failed ones were from, like, like a lot of guys, you know, we got inspired by Mark and everyone wants to be a Mark that say Zuckerberg in the next Facebook. And we all, and I tried so many different ideas from a protein, from a halal protein bar company to a green tech company called Pig, Partners in Green Technology. So I just went to that phase where I was like, again, this was 2008, working in Chicago. I kind of became aimless. Even though I was working for this petite consulting firm, I'm like, is this what I want to do for the next rest, next 10, 15, 20 years of my life just selling. And I said, no. So I just like trying different things. And it just, only thing is, I, I didn't realize this till 2010, 2011, that it's not the idea, it's the business. And that kind of like changed my philosophy. But no, I, as I said, and what I really started doing was just working with different startups because a wise man learns from his own mistakes, but a wiser man learns from mistakes of others. So by, so by me working with other startups, one is, is that I got experience. More importantly, you kind of learn from their mistakes. And in startups, the mistake quotient is very high. I think I always joke about this. Startups and science are probably the two areas where you're judged more by your failures than successes. Because the more failures you get, the closer you are to that correct exact hypothesis. So I still haven't reached that perfect hypothesis of success, but I've got a lot of failures and a lot of learning that will eventually get me there. So you've probably, you just said that you learned a lot from everyone else's failures. What do you think are the top three lessons you learned from watching everyone else fail and have their businesses fall apart? Yeah, the first one, I definitely would say, uh, actually, I'll start with the first one for anything. In my opinion, in my limited expert, semi-expert opinion, why most startups simply fail is because the entrepreneurs give up. And if you Google it, research it, forget about 
the Bill Gates and the Mark Zuckerberg. Those are the one in trillion brainchilds who were brilliant from 17 and built their own computer, first exit. But just everyday real entrepreneurs were not necessarily the smartest guys. They're just hustlers. And the ones who really made it from, you know, from Travis and Uber, you know, Mark Cuban before with Broadcast.com, all these guys are just hustlers. They hustled and they kept at it. And just when things were at their breaking point, it's almost like the calm before that storm. Or like when you're climbing up that startup mountain, when you're almost at the top, that last ledge is the most painful. But you can't stop. If you stop, you're going to fall. You've got to keep going. You're going to get over the top. And so most entrepreneurs fail because they just finally give up. I mean, it's obviously it's very stressful being in a startup sometimes. Only an entrepreneur will get another entrepreneur. It's tough on your personal life. Definitely not good on the pocketbook because it's a lot of financial distress. So most guys just give up because, you know what, I can't deal with it. And sadly, the ones who end up giving up, they're probably a month or two months away from their biggest milestone. Like, I was joking about it. The guys from WhatsApp, they were living on food stamps in their late 30s, early 40s. And I think six months later, they're each worth about $10 billion because Facebook acquired them from $19 billion. So what would have happened if they had given up? But no, they stuck it out. So that, I think that's the number one reason, in my opinion, why most entrepreneurs fail. The second one is differentiating between an idea and a business. Everyone's good at ideas. That means you're a dreamer and you're a writer. You should be writing books or writing something. Uh, a lot of people think, hey, I'm a great entrepreneur. I'm like, why? Because I have lots of ideas. Like, no, an entrepreneur doesn't have ideas. He's a doer. So if you've got an th- idea that you think, can you convert it into a business? So... It's not about the idea. Can you, is your idea a business? So can you validate? Are you solving a problem? So a lot of entrepreneurs, and we, and we all make, and I made this mistake a lot before I finally realized it. First, see if you can identify a problem. And whatever solution you have, whether it's a B2B platform, a B2C app, can you solve that solution with your, so solve that problem with your solution? There you go. That's the second one. And the third one I would say why a lot of entrepreneurs fail is, you don't know when to give up control. And there's been a lot of high-profile examples of CEOs of really famous, popular startups being forced out because every entrepreneur, and I've seen this with two startups that I've worked with, is that they were on the cusp of success, but because the entrepreneurs didn't want to give up control, ego, whatever you want to call it, they ended up losing out on a bigger opportunity and their startups are nowhere right now. And I personally had this with the one startup that I worked with. So never worry about giving up control. At the end of the day, it's not, the, it's not how, much, how much you control of the pie, it's how big the pie is. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs kind of get caught up on that. So those would be my three of my life lessons. Oh, and I'd add one more fourth is when you're launching a product, it's what I call permanent beta. Always launch MVP. Never build a full product and launch. You build a MVP, you build a scale-out version, you're going to launch it, you're going to get lots of negative feedback, you're going to make tweaks. And you make some further tweaks and you keep going. You keep going simultaneously between product development and marketing and until you finally get there. I mean, you look at Facebook, Google, their Twitter, LinkedIn. These are very successful apps, platforms, and they're, every, and they're still making changes as you go. It's permanent beta. So never build a complete product. I've seen startups where they've invested all their money into an MVP or an early stage product and they've got no money left for marketing and more importantly, no money left to make those small tweaks you do, you need to make after you launch. So a great point you made and number two is you don't got to be an idea man or a deal woman. You really got to go out there and really be just a hustler. So with that kind of philosophy in mind, 
does that mean that the idea you have doesn't really matter as much as your uh, drive to make it work? That's my relative opinion, right? Because I've seen, I think you've seen it, right? You've seen some great ideas are horrible businesses, but what might sound like a crappy idea if executed well can be a great business. So if you focus on the business and solving a problem, whether it's a social media platform that gives secure someone's data or whether it's a business that's helping a business be more efficient in reaching their end customer. If you're solving the problem, if you think that's a great business, it may not be sound a very sexy sounding idea, but if there's a core business philosophy behind it, you have a better chance of success. Cool. So let's take that into the world of Gift Genie. You've gone out there, you build this company that's like a shopping cart, uh, a, a wish list for other people so they could go out there and figure out exactly what to buy for their loved ones and everything. Great concept. But, like, okay, let's say the concept really wasn't that great to people. You think just by being a hustler, you could go out there and get this to work? Well, so as you said, so Alfred, so as I said, Gift Genie, you know, it, and, it's, it, and we sometimes, uh, we, start, we started with solving a business problem. And the business problem we're looking to solve was, this is way back in 2011, I was consulting for the startup by the name of Freedom One Mobile. It was, a very, it was almost ahead of their time. This is, I guess, you know, another failure for a lot of startups. Like sometimes it's, you could have everything right and just bad timing. Maybe, I guess they were ahead of their time, plus some mistakes some of the founders made. But on point, it's a really cool platform that allowed enterprises to communicate with their end customer, whether it's banking, you know, bank to their customers, or retail to their customers, or government. And I helped get them their two first uh, projects, one with a teleco, telco client, and one with a banking client. And on the verge of getting them their first client in the retail space, it kind of went under because they ran out of money. So while pitching retailers on behalf of them, and this is a problem that's still paramount right now, Amazon then and still now is kicking everyone's butt. And the biggest reason why Amazon kicks everyone's butt is very simple. It's all in the data, right? They have created this wonderful ecosystem, and they know you really well, and they've really built that user experience that keeps you going. Now, and that's why a lot of retailers, especially brick and mortar, are struggling. Now, you have the Walmarts of the world that are going on an acquisition spree, and they just spent $15 billion acquiring uh, India's answer to Amazon by the name of Flipkart for $15 billion as an acquisition, just to even up the game. But now when you took it, some, there's a lot of the mid-tier brands, like take it to Gucci and Armani. They're a billion-dollar fashion brand, but they're not a technology shop. So they're not going to go on an acquisition spree, but they're obviously losing market share to the likes of Amazon. How do they compete better with the likes of Amazon on the space? And I know this because of Gift Genie data is that most people shop on Amazon. But, for example, female online shoppers will buy their basics on Amazon, but they're not going to buy their luxury items or their cosmetics on Amazon. They'll still prefer a Sephora or, like, going to that specific brand. So that's data available insight to a, to a luxury brand. How do, you, how, do I, how do you provide a platform that allows these brands to reach those target customers because they're interested in your product? without obviously drop, you know, dropping your pants on price or providing a discount. That's the easy way. So that was the idea of Gift Genie. We're, like, we're creating a platform that lets retailers better understand who their target customer is and reach them in a non-intrusive way. And so the idea of Gift Genie evolved, we're like, okay, you know what? To do this, we need to be able to have a platform where we have users on board and we need to be able to capture their interest in what retailers and brands they desire. Based on that, we can then offer that experience to users of products they desire. 
And that's when we said, you know what? Gift, and we like came up to the concept of gifting. You're like, okay, gifting is an untapped segment of e-commerce. For every $10 you spend online, $1 for an online gift. So like, let's create a gifting app that's you as a user. Tell your loved ones exactly what you want. And by basically being a gateway, because with most gifting apps or online retailers, you're restricted to that ecosystem. We're like, you know what? I want to give Leonard the ability to browse the internet. It could be a boutique in China, a shopping mall in Dubai. As long as they have an online store, they can create a wish list by adding these products and you share it with your loved ones. So, and here we were with Gift Genie. Now, to your point, the market of that. So we thought this would be a great idea, and we launched the first version of Gift Genie. And the interesting thing happened is that 50% of our users created a wish list. Only 20% shared it. And reason why is because the 20 because the, when we interviewed our users and we did focus, they're like, yeah, I like the, the fact that I can share a wish list, but, you know, it's, unless this, uh, with Christmas being the exception, I still feel it's kind of narcissistic. Like, it's almost like you're dealing with a psychological barrier. Like, I still feel weird sharing my wishes with loved ones. I'm like, well, don't you give hints? She's like, I do, but it's still weird because I still like being surprised. And that's why I drop hints. I'm like, in all the years you've given surprises and hints, have you ever gotten the right surprise? It's like, no. But, it's a, but you're going up against a psychological barrier. With Christmas being the exception of the only time our users would actually create a wishes and share with their loved ones. But I reversed it. 50% of our users created a wish list. So, and this is what I mean by like, we launched the app Envision as a gifting app, but we're seeing more value in becoming what the market and our users are saying is we want you to be a shopping cart aggregator. So our users said, no, no, we're using this as a shopping cart aggregator. It's not a wish list aggregator or a biggest Instead of me having going and creating a shopping cart on Amazon, then going on Sephora, then going on Zara, and having 50 different shopping carts, I can do all that in Gift Genie seamlessly. And so, like, it's like any startup. You evolve. You launched. You pivot. I wouldn't call it a pivot. This is like you have launched. You see what the market tells you, and you be, build your next features based on that. So I always say when you're building an app or any kind of product, you've got to differentiate between a must-have and a nice-to-have. So when we launched Gift Genie, we envisioned these are the top five must-have features we should launch with. And we launch. And based on the feedback, we're like, okay, these are now the top five must-have features we need to add, add to keep our users engaged. And that's like any startup, this is how you evolve. Now, I sort of rambled there, but I hope that made sense. Cool. So basically, it doesn't really matter as long as you're flexible and you figure it out, right? Absolutely. Yeah, most startups, you envision something and the market enjoys them and, and your ability to pivot. It's like, uh, if anyone's, you know, martial arts, like you're, you have to go with the flow, adjust, pivot, you know, that's really what it is. Cool. So now we know how to really go out there and do something with the business and really get it up and running. We're going to probably have to take another commercial break and really get into the details of all this, right? Yeah, probably. Okay, cool. So uh, you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, Vikrams at giftgenie.com. That's a J-E-N-I-E instead of genie, like uh, the blue one. But yeah, we'll be back after this commercial break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste, and Freshly delivers to my home and my office, so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Would you like to make more money, help more people, and have more fun? Tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show because you'll discover the money, mindset, and marketing skills that will help you create the abundant lifestyle you desire. As an international keynote speaker, best-selling author, and thought leader, Noah helps business owners increase their income, influence, and impact. So tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, welcome back. Len Kim here with Vic Ram Chopra. We've been talking about multiple things, like what kind of things that uh, entrepreneurs really see that really guide them up to preventing failure and how they go out there and create a business where you're maneuverable and able to like swing with the punches to really get around to what exactly the market really wants and dealing with those problems early on. Now, Vikram, you started your startup journey like back in like 2011, right? First, officially 2011, as in with my first startup, uh, Round Assist, mm-hmm. but I started like dabbling in startups in about 2009. Mm. So you've been around the block. When did you fall upon the idea of actually starting this gifting thing? This would have been, I would say, towards uh, 2014. So I started consulting with Freedom One Mobile for about, and I worked with them for about a couple of years. And Around the time when they went uh, under, I was still running round assist. So basically what it was, I was running round assist. Uh, I was a cloud computing and managed services company with my partner, Raymond. So when I co-founded round assist, I mean, we had a good book of business. We did very well, but it wasn't really enough for me to pay my bills. And that's one reason why I started doing that startup consulting on the side to kind of augment my income. And that's why I ended up working with a lot of cool startups such as Freedom One Mobile. So towards the end of 2014, uh, we, I, we were, I was ready to make an exit from Round Assist. We had a couple of good offers. It was kind of like early 2014, I started thinking, okay, what do I want to do? I don't want to be doing this. Or I was like, I know what worked with Freedom One Mobile. I think there's a very strong opportunity in the market for a retail data analytics, online gifting, shopping app. 
And I think now is the time. So basically, I started brainstorming it, and then I, uh, my business partner in Gift Genie, Gerard Maynard, who's been a friend and mentor since 2010, because I'm the guy that has an idea and I can execute it, but Gerard's the guy that can take an idea into a company and turn that company into a business. So I started running by him, what do you think? And kind of like between the two of us, I said, you know what? Let's work. We kind of evolved the concept of Gift Genie by the summer of 2014. And so basically, I exited uh, round assist end of 2014 and started working on Gift Genie basically uh, Jan of 2015. I got married in March of 2015. And after that, it was full throttle Gift Genie. And then Gerard exited his company and joined me in October of 2015. And both of us have never looked back. So in 2015, did you have like a product or was that something that developed in like 2016 or how did that evolve? Yeah, no, this is definitely a bit of it. So the first, I would say the first year, most of 2016 was basically Gerard and I kind of like trying to raise some money. We put a lot of our own money in, putting together a team. So more for, before anything, it was putting together a team. So I was fortunate that because of the startups I'd worked with the previous few years, I had access to some really sharp mentors and people in the industry I could call upon. I always joke about it. The team I have, you'd have to have done at least a series, a couple of million dollar raise to afford the kind of people I have on my team. So it was really about putting together the team saying, hey guys, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? Would you like to be on board? Once I had a rough idea of the technical team I had in place, I actually started pitching Yifkini to retailers. So I was traveling a lot. I spent a lot of time in Europe, in India and North America, just talking to retailers to better understand their pain points. See, if I have a solution, can my solution address them? And the biggest thing the retailers would always tell me is that if you've got users and access to a unique set of customers that we don't access, have access to, because we're not going to give you our data. We're not going to give you access to our users. You know, we wouldn't give that to Facebook or Google, so you're just a little startup. But if you have a platform that can onboard users and you're capturing data on their interests, then we're interested in talking to you because you become a marketing platform. So that was most of 2015 got spent just putting together the business, the concept. And of course, and by end of 2015, we closed out our initial round and we started building the app in January of 2016. And then we launched our, uh, we launched our first prototype in 2017 and then we've never looked back. So the first prototype we launched in summer of 2017. There was definitely a lot of technical challenges with the app, so it definitely took longer uh, and this is one advice. I mean, guys, learn from my mistakes. It took us probably a year to get our working beta out. We should have ideally launched it in six months. So lesson learned any entrepreneur. If you can, your MVP doesn't have to be perfect. Just launch it, get traction, get feedback, and make sure you have money in the tank to keep that momentum going at least a couple of times. I would say that was probably the only biggest uh, mistake we made is that we, we should have launched a lot sooner. So you got your app out prototype done by like 2017 summer, right? We officially launched uh, Gift Genie May of 2017, yes. Okay, so May of 2017. Um, It was was technically on the App Store as early as like winter of 2016, but we didn't act, but we're still testing, working out bugs. Like we, I would say we started promoting and marketing in the summer of 2017. So summer of 2017 is when you really went out there and started marketing. And then right. now it's about, uh, you know, like uh, almost a year down the line. So <clears throat> how many uh, users have you guys acquired? Yeah, so it was actually, that was where it was good. Like we hit our peak. Like our, our target was when we launched them was can we be at 5,000 users by December? 
and we cried. We actually ended up hitting 6,000 users. And mm. the feedback we got is what we went into version 2, and we actually just launched version 2 this month. But here's what I'm pleased to say is that right now we're sitting at about 8,000 users, but this is where it was interesting. So like any app, it's how do you get scale and critical mass. So we hit the 5,000-plus users, and we kind of got our CPA down to $1.50. But the challenge with any st- app still <coughs> is if I need to get a million users, I'm not going to spend so a million. So anyone not familiar with marketing, uh, CPA is the cost per acquisition. So for every single user you're acquiring, you're paying $1.50 for that user for your app. So what was interesting is, is that with the one is that I'm not going to spend $1.5 million to get a million users. So how do I get my CPA down to practically zero? It almost creates that network effect. So we're presently sitting at just over 8,000, and we basically acquired these 2,000 users in the last month and a half since we launched our new version. And I'm pleased to say they all were at a cost of zero. And the reason why I figure, as I said, it's like, the, and this is the key for any consumer perspective. How can you go go organically and you're going to get this asked by investors? They'll be like, great, what's your CPA? What's your, what's your customer and retention? But then the thing will ask you is, okay, how are you going to go organically? And what we've done is, is that we did really well with influencer marketing. So what Giftine, as I said, is right, we're almost like a Pinterest for retail because we really addressed the problem for Pinterest users where Pinterest were like, we like being on Pinterest for product discovery, but it's not a really great app for shopping. So we're like, okay, we're going to take the best elements of Pinterest into a discovery and shopping app. So what, we went out, what I went out to do is I started partnering up with influencers who have style blogs, guides, gift guides, wedding guides. I said, guys, I'm going to promote you on my platform. I'm going to give you a blog. I'm going to give you a section. It's going to be Tina's blog or... Mary's Mother's Day gift guide, and I'm going to expose you to my entire user base, and we're going to be on a reality series, so there's going to be a lot of exposure. In return, I want you to promote me on your social media channels across platforms. Hey, guys, check out my wishes on Giftini, or hey, anyone wanting to know where I got all these cool uh, products I wear from? Well, you can check me out or check out my blog on Giftini. It's almost like this content partnership. Normally, I'd have to pay someone to curate and create cool content on my app to keep my users engaged, we're getting these influencers and bloggers to do that for us in a partnership. And this is where I'm really pleased that we've grown. You know, we added an extra couple of thousand users at basically zero cost. Cool. So basically, these influencers are really driving your primary traffic now. Correct. And then it then becomes a network effect because we start off as a gifting app and now becoming the shopping discovery app. So people want more curated content. They like the fact that through Gift Genie, I can explore any retailer, but that's when I want something specific. I want Gift Genie to recommend and curate. So we've, we aggregated a whole bunch of retail fees from all of our retail partners. And by adding this influencer blogging, we become almost like something unique because there's, everyone's got influencers and bloggers they follow. So what it says, you can follow your favorite fashion and bloggers and your favorite stylists on Giftini by checking out what products they're recommending. Yep, cool. So let's see. You've been able to do some interesting things since then, like um, getting invited to like be on like this TV show. Like, how does how does something like that really happen for someone like you? <laughs> Uh, it's called a startup hustle and grind. So as I mentioned earlier in the show, right, being in a startup is like basically walking out in a thunderstorm. But the only good thing is that you're, you're basically in a storm. That's going to be the rest of your life for the next couple of years of that startup. You're in a perpetual storm. 
But when only case in this case, when lightning strikes, lightning will strike once or twice if you're really, really lucky at least three times. But lightning strikes in a good way. It's like almost like capturing lightning in a bottle. You better just take advantage of the opportunity. Every entrepreneur, this you can quote me on, and anyone listening in, just remember I said this. It could take you 10 years, 5 years, 2 months, 20 years. Lightning will strike in a good way. Can you seize the opportunity? So, I, you know, obviously we're a Toronto-based startup, but 80% of our user base is in the U.S. So I've been spending a lot of time in uh, New York. And I a joke, bootstrap startup, so I take a weekly 12-hour bus from Toronto to New York almost every week, if not every 10 days. And I was at a pitch event uh, November 30th by the name of Startup Alusa. I still remember it. It was like a really crummy day because I got in. It was November 30th. I think it was a Thursday afternoon. I got in around 2. I had a two-hour meeting. I was drained. And then this pitch event was starting around, I think, 5 or 6 o'clock. And I was beat because I was like, I was just in New York the week before. I'm like, I don't feel like attending this event. And I was like, well, no, it's a pitch event. I've already signed up. It could be good. I might meet some good investors. And then a little voice in my head because this exact same thing happened to my partner, Gerard Maynard, the month before where... He had a rough morning. We had to meet our lawyers, and meeting with your lawyers and you're running a startup is never fun. And then he had a quick 30-minute networking event he had to attend. So he kind of, like, pushed himself just to attend that event. And lo and behold, the guy sitting next to my uh, business partner at that event ended up becoming our lead investor in our latest round and is currently our CFO. So So that little voice rang in my head. Gerard didn't feel like going out, and he did, and look what happened. So if I'm feeling like this, something good's going to happen. So I went to this pitch event, pitched, uh, didn't obviously win the pitch contest, but one of the judges at that event approached me saying, Vic, I am actually producing a new reality series. It's Shark Tank meets The Apprentice. Can't share more information beyond that, but I'd love, I think you'd be great, and I'd love to have you come in pitch. And Basically, and I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And I'm like, sure. And I'm like, do you have a card? And he's like, I don't have a card, but here's, uh, but if you give me your card, I'll call you. And I'm kind of laughing. I'm like, oh, this is like the bar scenario where the girl is like, I won't give you my number, but if you give me your number, I'll call you. And of course, that never happens. But you know what? A week and a half later, I get an email inviting me to come in and pitch. I decide to come in and go, and the rest is history. So it's like you said, right? You put yourself out there, you hustle, you grind. And good things will happen. Doesn't mean not, yeah, doesn't mean you're always, if you keep going to every pitch event, you'll get into a reality series, but you might meet your next investor or you'll meet a really good co-founder. But like, the point is, if you put yourself, if, you don't, if you're not going to go out in the storm, you're not going to get hit by lightning. So your startup's not going to be successful by you sitting under a roof or hiding in a cave. You go out, put yourself so, out there, and good things will happen. So good things only happen when you have really horrible days and you don't actually want to work. You know, it's I'm in this, like, it's almost like karmic. I, th- I think it really is. Like I always joke, it's called. It's like I always joke, it's like entrepreneur karma, right? The more you put yourself out there, you try to do be a good entrepreneur, a good. And I always think being an entrepreneur and being a good person are the same thing. If you go out there helping, and it's like it's a startup mountain. So at whatever stage of the startup mountain you are, you could be ten percent there, twenty percent, eighty percent there. There's always someone right beneath you. So stick your hand out, help that guy out. And just by doing that, you'd be surprised. It's like it does startup karma. It does go your way. Just do what you got to do. Hustle hard. Try to be as ethical as possible, and you'll go far. That's at least my personal philosophy. I mean, I've definitely come this far by having this as my core philosophy. Like I'm a hustler. I'm a Rottweiler. But I don't try to step on toes. If anything, I try to give my give a hand up to anyone I can. 
Well, if I follow your philosophy of never wanting to do anything leads me to become successful, that means I should be massively successful because I don't want to do anything. I'm like the laziest person in the world. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, phone call, yeah, yes, I'll take it. Oh, yeah, I got to show up to this place, okay, yeah, I'll go. But according to your philosophy, that means I should be the biggest success in the world because I don't want to do anything. Well, Leonard, not to toot your ego, but uh, according to Forbes, Fortune, and a couple of other print magazines uh, and the influence tree, you are quite the influencer in the marketing world. So I think you've done okay in that regard. You I guess so. So anyone, if you don't want to do something, that means you're on your way to success. So the whole lesson from this whole show is don't want to do anything, don't want to go anywhere, but go anyways and you'll be successful. And we're going to probably wrap it up with that because that's the most inspiring thing I've ever heard because I don't want to ever do anything. And I'm so inspired right now and I'm going to go do more of nothing because this is a pathway to success. (laughs) Well, I'll give you a quick, if I have 10 seconds, if I can have 10 seconds, I'll give you a quick timeout on a guy named Russell Peters everyone knows. So Russell Peters didn't want to do anything. So he basically became a comedian because he thought that's a really great way to get paid and work only twice a week. And look what happened to the guy. So it works. So, yeah, if you don't want to do anything, you're in luck because you got a game plan for success out there. And it's probably going to be something pretty major that happens in your life. Well, I mean, this is the best way to be inspired. If there's any way anyone could ever be inspired today, it's knowing that if you don't want to do something, you're going to be successful. And guess what? There's so many people out there and so many people are like, oh, trying to force themselves to want to do something. You don't have to force yourself to want to do something. You just have to go and just do it, even if you don't want to do it, and you're going to be successful. Um, My name is Leonard Kim. You can always find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Vikram, you can find him at giftini.com. That's G-I-F-T-J-E-E-N-I-E.com. And thank you so much for tuning in to Grow Your Influence today, and we'll catch you next week. Enjoy. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.